0: So good morning, happy Lord's Day. My name is Cordell, I'm reading from Philippians 3:17 through 4, 1 this morning. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Therefore, brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. And uh, guys, I want to take a moment and thank Cordell. Don't go anywhere just yet. Don't go anywhere just yet. Um so today and I think you'll hear this a little bit more as we talk there's a there's a specific reason why I invited Cordell to, to uh read scripture today and I want to introduce you guys this is Cordell Hachinsky. Cordell invests in the leaders who invest in our students he spends time and 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 helps train them up in in biblical and spiritual leadership Cordell has taken the time to uh while he's here in the in the time that he's here this year for cgsc uh, to invest in the in the people who consistently invest in the next generations of leaders of our church and i can't i can't wait to see the fruit that comes from this and so i just want to take a moment and thank you for leaving a legacy that is going to go on for generations to come so thank you so much cordell appreciate you So today, friends, like I said, this is week three of defiant joy. And if it is, if, and, and I mentioned this earlier, but if you are new with us, we're so grateful that you're here. And uh, if you, at the end of service, if this is your first time with us, we would encourage you to step across the lobby. And uh, in our welcome center, there'll be somebody there who would love to just share with you a little bit about our church share with you a little bit about um, uh, share with you a little bit about why we and who we are and a little bit about our history but also hear a little bit about how you came to be here with us today and they have a little gift for you so we just want to say thank you for being here but this is this is our final week of defiant joy in week one um, in week one we talked about how when we submit to Jesus as our Lord through repentance and receive him as savior we receive an inheritance of joy, an inheritance that is God with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit moves into our hearts and takes up residency in us, our eternal destination changes and we receive salvation and experience a joy that only comes from Jesus. Last week, we talked about how regardless of our circumstances, if we are submitted to Jesus, he will fulfill the work that he started in us. And he will carry it on to completion, just as he has promised in Scripture. He will lead us to live a life that is marked not by the ways of this world, but by the ways of the Holy Spirit, that we are God, and, and will be able to produce fruit. That is the fruit of the spirit in our life of love and joy and peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness Gentleness and self-control We'll leave, be able to live a life that's marked by the character of christ not by the ways of this world And each week we have been diving into a series big idea that honestly I pray that as we move forward we'll be able to say With conviction And the series big idea is this is that I have received an inheritance of joy And through Christ, my life will leave a legacy of joy that defies the ways of the world. You see, legacy is what we're going to talk about today. You know, and I mentioned earlier that Cordell, this is what he's doing here as 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 an obedient and faithful volunteer. He's leaving a legacy into the generations to come by investing in the leaders that are going to remain and remain for future generations. And legacy is something that we're all going to leave. Some of us, some of us in this world will leave a legacy. Maybe it's of money, maybe it's of accomplishment. some of maybe it's reputation, but we are all going to, but we who are, those of us who call upon Jesus as Lord, we are made for something much more lasting those of us who have submitted Jesus and Lord and receive him as Savior have re- and, and have received his inheritance, we have been given a call to leave a different kind of legacy. A legacy that goes well beyond temporary things and into the eternal. It is one that, that, that is seen in the faces and lives of people that for generations to come, it is one that we can celebrate as we see it passed along and realize that we have done what we are called to do. It is a legacy that is marked with, joy, with the joy that we've been talking about the past three weeks. You see, we have received an inheritance of joy and it is meant to impact the world for generations to come. we've received this inheritance of joy upon submission to Jesus as Lord and receiving Him as Savior. We've been given the inheritance of the Holy Spirit and been called to live a life that's a little bit different, which will leave a legacy of joy for days to come, a legacy that's marked with the joy of our salvation for generations to come. And there are many ways that we can do that. For some, we see in Scripture that this can happen as we pass things on to our children, our biological or adopted children, the children in our lives, and they in turn pass it on to theirs. When we invest in our children and they get to experience the love of Christ through us and see what it is to live a life of joy and the life that is marked with Jesus, then grandchildren and great-grandchildren will prayerfully get to experience the joy of their salvation as well. Scripture speaks about this in Psalm 78. It says, He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. I mean, isn't that as a parent... Isn't that ultimately what we want? we want? We want our children to take the faith that we have in Christ and be able to develop and let, make that faith become alive in their lives so it's their own and they can pass it on to their children and their children's children and their children's children's children. I mean, isn't that what we desire? This, is what, this should be what we long for and what we shoot for. This should be part of our decision-making process of how are we passing this on but for some that for some there are other opportunities that present themselves as well see we can also intentionally invest in others who are a step or two behind us in our walk with jesus we're called to look at all relationships as potential discipleship opportunities we're called to share the joy of Jesus with anyone we come in contact with. For some, that could be a momentary opportunity. It could be at Walmart when you see somebody who's looking down, and you have the opportunity to share the joy of Jesus with them in the moment. For others, it could be a it could be a time spent with intentional investment into someone's life. But we are called to invest and view everything as a potential discipling opportunity. Paul, who invested, who was invested in by a guy named Barnabas, took the time time to invest in a guy a young man named timothy and these are some of the words that he gave him about this generational investment he says in second timothy 2 2 it says and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others you see we're supposed to take the things that we have been given and we're supposed to pass them on we're we're called to do this and this can happen, this can happen, like I said, in the lives of our children or in the lives of others. I want to tell you a story about someone that I, um, I never had the privilege of meeting, but impacted my life in a great way. I want to tell you a story about, an, about a man named Gerhard. Gerhard was a Prussian immigrant to the United States in the 1920s. He came to the United States because they were fleeing religious persecution where he was at. And when they got here, the U.S. had hit their quota for immigration for the year. Well, on his way here, on his way here, his wife, who was pregnant, uh, started to get sick. And the U.S., who, I said, had met their quota for immigration for the years, sent them to a little town of Chihuahua, Mexico. And while in Chihuahua, Mexico, in a mud hut, Gerhard's wife gave birth to a son whose name was Pete. And she died in the process. And for the next seven years, Gerhard and his boys... And his boys lived in Chihuahua, Mexico. Pete and his brothers. Without a mom. And in the process, they lost another sibling. They finally made their way into the United States. But Gerhard had spent time while they were there investing in the lives of his children. Sharing with them the love of Christ. They moved to the United States and they they landed in southern Kansas. They landed in southern Kansas because the land looked like something they knew how to farm. And Gerhard, who was a minister, began to minister in southern Kansas in a little town of Elbing. Little bitty town. With his boys... And Gerhard's sons grew up, George and Pete and the other brothers grew up to grow and love Jesus. And they shared Jesus with their children, many of whom became missionaries and pastors and shared their love with their children's children and children's children's children. But you see, Gerhard, if all he had done was invest in his children, that would be incredible. But while he was in Mexico, he started, he was a Mennonite. He started a Mennonite, he helped start a Mennonite encampment in Chihuahua, Mexico. Speaking low German in a town that only spoke Spanish, he learned Spanish. And he shared this with the people in Chihuahua. This was the very first Christian settlement in Chihuahua, Mexico. Fast forward a few years, let me give you an idea. Gerhard was my great-grandfather. My grandpa was Pete, who was a grocery man who made disciples, who raised boys who became missionaries and pastors. Who raised children who became missionaries and pastors? Who have raised children who are committed to Jesus? But about nine years ago, I was at a gathering of pastors in Kansas City, and I was sitting across the room from a young, across the table from a young named Eben, named Eben, E B E N, and we were talking about where he came from. And Eben, who was new to Kansas City, was in Kansas City, Kansas, planting a church, a Spanish-speaking church, to bring Jesus to the inner city. was from Chihuahua, Mexico, and a little Mennonite encampment. You see, Gerhard invested in his children And invested in the lives of people who were around him. And regardless of circumstances, regardless of the loss of a wife and the loss of a child, he shared the love of Jesus for generations to come. Eben's church in Kansas City. It's about 85 people every Sunday. And they hear about the love of Jesus. You see, we are called to share the joy of Jesus, the joy found in Jesus, by making disciples. That is how we leave a legacy, my friends. We are called to share the joy found in Jesus by making disciples of our children and our children's children and the generations to come. And we're called to make disciples by sharing the joy found in Jesus, by making disciples of people that we come in contact regardless of our life circumstances and viewing everything as a discipling opportunity. We are called to share the love of Jesus by making disciples and that is for everyone who has called upon the name of Jesus. The Great Commission is in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. And friends, this doesn't just speak to pastors this doesn't just speak to missionaries this speaks to grocery men it speaks to trash trash collectors it speaks to teachers it speaks to mothers it speaks to nurses it speaks to doctors the best pastor I know is a plumber in Bonner Springs it speaks to those people because we all have the same call and it's this therefore go And make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, go and make disciples. You see, this is how we leave a legacy this is how we leave a legacy that goes beyond financial resources, that goes beyond beyond accomplishments, beyond setting our children up to, for, with college and all these other things. This goes well beyond this. This leaves a legacy that echoes through eternity by making disciples. And you see, friends, the joy-filled legacy we leave are the disciples that we make. This is how, this is how our legacy will be measured. It will be measured by the disciples that we make, by the lives we invest in, by those we impact for Jesus who go on to invest and impact other lives. And and this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And there's a lot of different ways you can look at making disciples. But it begins, I believe, with what Paul writes in First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This is a big deal. Do you understand that, that as we are going through this, You, you are going to, you, when we are invested in and we are indwelled with the Holy spirit and we receive his inheritance, we are called to live a life that is worthy of following. Paul is saying, Hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Like, I'm going to do this to the best of my abilities. And I want you to, I want you to do what I'm doing because I know that's going to bring you closer to Jesus. And we as Christ followers should be having the same call. We should be, ha- we should be confident enough in our walk with Jesus to be able to, s- to say the same thing. I should be able to look at Danny and say, Danny, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I should be able to look at my youngest daughter, Lily, and say, Lily, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it faultlessly, but it does mean that I'm going to do it in a way that's worthy of the call of Christ. And we do this. We live a life worthy of being followed. By standing firm in who Jesus is and what he has done. And our teaching big idea today tells us how we get to be that example. You see, I will be an example of joy by standing firm in Christ. We can stand firm in Christ not because of our own power, but because of the power that who lives inside of us because of the light because we when we stand firm in Christ we build our rock our life on the rock of ages and that is a rock that never moves never shakes and cannot be broken we can stand firm because of because the holy spirit has taken up residency inside of us and has changed the trajectory of our lives and pointed it towards Jesus and Jesus alone so we stand firm. We stand firm. We are an example of joy by standing firm in Christ. And I believe that the book of Philippians shows us three ways that we are to stand firm in Jesus. And the first is this, is that we stand firm by placing our confidence in Jesus. By placing our confidence not in ourselves, not in our own abilities, not in our own giftedness, but in Jesus and Jesus alone, you see many of us can look at lives our life and say, "You know what like i've heard people who have these stories of i have heard people who have stories that where where they they've come from they 've come from the worst, and then God encountered them and they've come to the best, and some people can say that's incredible, others can say, "Listen, I have lived a life that's been really pretty good." And I've done all the right things and I've lived in the right way. And and, we sh- and and for those those who live that, we can fall into the trap of saying, well, I've, I've been good enough. But the Apostle Paul tells us that that is not enough. You see, the Apostle Paul, let's go back again and remember who he was. I said he was the most unlikely of people to become a missionary to the Gentiles last week. But the truth of the matter is, is, he lived a life that on the surface... If anyone could have, by order, by letter of the law, earned the love of Christ or earned salvation, it would have been this guy. And he speaks about this. And I I, I love, I love this. He he begins, he says, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. What Paul is saying is is he's saying, I don't care what you guys have done. I've done more. He's the guy that can walk into a party where people are talking about their accomplishments and he just walks in the room, drops it in, and says, I walked on the moon and then walked off because nobody can say anything to that. Paul is saying, that's me. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I mean, he's saying this is, if the bar is here, I'm right there. But he goes on. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of, because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. You see, what Paul is saying is that everything that I've done, it doesn't matter. What's been done for me is what matters everything that i've done it's garbage in comparison to the act of jesus who came who who was god became man lived a perfect life died a death that we deserve rose again on the third day conquered death hell and the grave so that we could have relationship with god the father everything that we have done is garbage in comparison All our good deeds, all our good acts, all our good acts of service, it's all garbage in comparison to what Jesus has done for us. And that is where Paul put his confidence. Not in himself, but in Christ and Christ alone. And that is our first act of standing firm and being an example for others is we we place our faith in Jesus. We put our confidence in Christ. And there's a great joy in that because of what we talked about earlier that He is the rock of ages. He will never change. He He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know that everything else about me falls way short. So there's a great joy to be found in the fact that our confidence is not in ourselves who will fall short, but in Jesus and Jesus alone. The second thing that we do is once we have instilled this faith in ourselves, we put our confidence in Jesus as Lord and received him as Savior and receive that inheritance. The second thing we do is we stand firm by enduring in our faith. We stand firm by saying, regardless of what this world throws at me, I am not going to let it distract me from the main thing still being the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. And Paul writes about this in Philippians 3, beginning in verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect But I press on to take hold of that for which christ jesus took hold of me Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, "regard this, this past, this past way of living life, I'm not going to hang on to that. I'm not going to live in that anymore. I'm going to live in Christ and I'm going to stay there and my faith will endure because of who lives in me. And because of the sight that I have set before me, the joy of our salvation, we know, leads to a change of eternal destination. And because of this, we, we subsist, we keep moving forward toward Jesus and Jesus alone. We stay in our faith because He will never leave us nor forsake us. And we can trust in that. And as we do that, we do that by by doing one specific thing. We stand firm. We endure in the faith. We stand firm. we, We put our confidence in Jesus and the end result of that is we stand firm by being obedient to Christ. We stand firm by being obedient to Christ. Not because we're getting our arms twisted, not because we're, we're afraid of something. Even though the fear of the Lord is a good thing, but n- and not because of anything other than because we understand the, ra- the 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 rabid love of Christ for us, and we know that all He wants is what is absolutely the best for us. And because when we accept him as when we submit to him as Lord and when we receive him as savior, we become part of a new family, an eternal family, and the ways of that family are different than the ways of this world. And the and one key factor of that of that family is obedience to Christ. Paul speaks about this in what Cordell wrote about read read about earlier. It says, "Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. As we e- and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Therefore, my brothers... You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. We can take joy because we belong to a new family. We can have joy because the the founder of that family is the rock of ages and his love is eternal and it never shakes. We can have joy by being obedient to the one who will lead us to a life that leads to eternity. There is joy, my friends, in obedience when you are obedient to the one who is love. There is joy, my friends, in obedience when you are obedient to the one who wants nothing more than the absolute best for you and the generations to come. And as we model these things, as we model... As we model submission to Jesus by placing our confidence in Him. As we model being able to... uh, As we model enduring in the faith As we model being obedient to Christ, the joy that comes from that will emanate through our body and other people will be drawn to it and they will see a life that is marked with a joy that is not our own, not marked with the ways of the world, but marked with the ways of Jesus and marked with a brand new family, an eternal family. Not one that's going to go away one day, not one that's going to die away one day, but one that we will spend eternity with glorying in the presence of God Almighty this is what a joy-filled legacy is this my friends is defiant joy that we have received a joy-filled inheritance in the person and presence of god almighty in the form of the holy spirit and live a joy-filled life marked with the character of christ so that we can leave a joy-filled legacy of disciples who make disciples that will impact the world for generations to come. This world is full of stories of people who lived life for themselves. And you know what? Those stories are often forgotten. But there are stories that are left of people who live a life marked for Christ and live a life of impact from generation to generation. I can't help but think that my great-grandpa would have loved to see people smile and would have been celebrating with us as we baptized his great-great-grandchildren. As he heard the story, like like when I heard the story of the church in Kansas City that was that was meeting that founded out of his obedience to Christ, these things—it's an incredible moment. He would have been bouncing with joy, but not joy in his own actions, but joy in the Lord. You see, friends, we can all live a life marked. With this, marked by that joy-filled inheritance, marked with a jo- and, and live a joy-filled life that leaves a joy-filled legacy. You know, last week I shared with you guys that um, one of the one of the best and most difficult parts of my job is to journey with people as they graduate to heaven. And this last week, we got to do that. One of our own, one of our 815 crew, our buddy Al makes coffee, went to be with Jesus. But for the previous month, This is what I got to experience. I'd go visit Al, and every time I talked with him, he would always lead. I'd ask him, how you doing? He goes, I'm serving a good God. I'm serving a good God. And when I would leave, I'd get ready to leave, and he would ask me how he could serve you all. He goes, I can't do much, but whatever I can do, I'll do it. And then he would pray with me. And a couple of times when I was there, it was just he and I in the room. And he made sure the nurses came in when he was praying for me. I'd already prayed for him. But he wanted to pray for me and he wanted the nurses to hear it. He wanted the nurses to hear about his good God. And I can't help but think that the folks who were there in those moments, that he left a little bit of a joy-filled legacy in their lives. You see, when we submit to Jesus as Lord, we receive that joy-filled inheritance. And when He takes up dwelling inside of us, we get to live a joy-filled life. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of, the fa- of, of, of where you happen to be, you can live this joy-filled life. And in those moments when you take advantage of them, you get to leave a joy-filled legacy. You get to leave the legacy that my friend Al left, that my great-grandpa Gerhard left, that the Apostle Paul left, that Hannah in the Old Testament who, who, gave, who, who pled with Jesus for year after year for a son, and then Samuel was born, and Samuel who, who anointed the first two kings of Israel, one of whom was David, who down the line, in the line of David, was a guy named Jesus and He's the reason that we're all here. You never know the generational impact of living a joy-filled life, a life that defies the ways of this world with the joy that is our salvation. So friends, we need to stand firm in Christ because we never know who we're going to impact through our obedience to the One who is love. And truthfully, we need to stand firm in Christ and make disciples who make disciples because that is our mission. So, friends, today, as we finish, we're going to pray for each other. And so, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to stand up. Find some people who are around you. And if you're uncomfortable with folks praying with you, just please say no, not today. We will respect that. But this is the prayer. Father, help my friend stand firm in Christ so their life can be an example of your joy. So friends, go ahead and stand on up and let's find someone. Westside, I love you, but not nearly as much as our Father in heaven does. We'll talk again soon.